0: Good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon where you are on this rotating globe. Welcome to another edition of The Other Side of Midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn when uh, almost anything can happen, and uh, most of the time it does. And again, as I've said a million times before, this will make one million and one. What used to be confined to this time slot now is occurring around the world, in fact, across the solar system 24-7. So if you're following any kind of news, be it mainstream or Facebook or Twitter or, uh, you know, what are those others, Uh, Twilight Zone, no, Twilight Zone, I'm I'm thinking of uh, um, some of those kind of off, you know, Channel 8s, all those bizarre websites that are so obscure that only a certain portion know where they are. All of this is part of the mix as we uh, enter this extraordinary period, this window where the physics, the hyperdimensional physics, the hyperdimensional astrology um, makes possible all kinds of things that were not possible before. Um, we're going to start this this evening with uh, news as we do every uh, Time we start a show. Uh, We have some extremely sad news to report this morning. Um, There is, there is uh, a tragedy unfolding in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, As you know, Wisconsin has been the focus of national, international attention because of the Rittenhouse trial, which has been going on for the last uh, week or so, maybe two weeks, which culminated a couple days ago with a um, acquittal of Rittenhouse. And then about an hour in a little town, 73,000 people, an hour north, kind of northwest of uh, Kenneshaw in Waukesha, they were having a Christmas parade tonight, this afternoon, and uh, a red SUV at high speed drove through the crowd, and uh, there are at least 20 people injured, uh, unknown numbers of deaths, and those numbers will probably change the... uh, local police chief had a two-minute press briefing and said they will not have any more news until 1 o'clock Central Standard Standard Time tomorrow afternoon, so we will not know the full details of the tragedy. But it fits in to the meta-theme of the conversation that we're going to have with Rick Levine uh, throughout the rest of the show in the morning because eerily he and I discussed this in fact, this very kind of meme, uh, as, as will become clear as we go through the conversation. So, that's why I wanted to lead with this tonight. If you go to the other side of midnight.com, and you click on tonight's banner, which says the clock strikes midnight, what's hyperdimensionally coming this Christmas Eve uh, with Rick Levine and Georgia Lambert, uh, you will see um, if you look right under that banner Uh, I'm sorry if you click on the banner that will take you to the guest page and if you look under my items fast links to items click on my name and that will take you to the uh, story there's a rather gruesome video there which uh, I hope you have a strong stomach Um, again this is part I believe of a larger meme that is unfolding and it's no accident it's unfolding now and all that will become clear As we go through the morning, hopefully. Item number two um, La Palma. Um, Oddly enough, La Palma is going to enter into our conversation in a very strange way later in the morning. So, for those who have not been following the show, I mean, really, La Palma is a little island in the Canaries off the northwest coast of Africa, which uh, contains a volcano which last blew up something like 39 tetrahedral double 19.5 years ago, and is now erupting with all kinds of dramatic uh, lava and, you know, explosive eruptions, ash falls, ground swelling. The reason all this is relevant to anything is because in 1949, there was a major earthquake which split the island in two, and so one half is kind of resting by a friction on the other half. And this is a very old uh, shield volcano. And so if there is a sufficient ground tremor, i.e. earthquake, or the ground swells too much because of underground gas and magma pressure, half of that island could slide, ultimately at several hundred miles an hour, into the Atlantic Ocean, creating what is known as a mega-tsunami. Now again, these are all based, this this latter part is based on a scientific geophysical model that was published back around, I think, 2001 in peer reviewed literature. There are now modelers who, using more current data, say that there is little chance this could happen, this worst case scenario. But little chance does not mean zero chance. So I've advised everyone on the East Coast. And I advise everyone listening who's anywhere near a shoreline because this uh, tsunami would not be confined to the North Atlantic Basin. Uh, Put uh, this link on your phone. Get an alert when there's a major seismic event. uh, Have a go-bag packed. Be ready to leave Dodge. Uh, If you're on the east coast of the U.S., you'll have about nine hours, between six and nine hours. If you're in Europe or in Africa or in, uh, on the coast of North, and, I'm sorry, South America, or in the Caribbean, you will have less warning, so you want to act accordingly, but uh, again, this is going to figure in our conversation later in the morning, and so you might want to pay very close attention, because a low probability event, if there is the um, intrusion of artificial technological means, can become a higher probability event as we will discuss. Item number three, um, part of our discussion this morning relating to what's coming astrologically um, toward the end of the month, toward the end of December, has to do with this entire new level of seriousness and mainstream attention to the concept of UFOs, which of course have now been codenamed UAPs. You know what, What's in branding? What's in a name? And item number three is the uh, New York Post story relating to a conference on our future in space sponsored by the Ignatius Forum. Uh, That I believe stands for Ignatius Loyola, who founded, among others, the Jesuits, the Jesuit Order. And you, of course, are well aware of those intriguing associations. This conference was held uh, just last week, November 10th. In fact, if you look down at item number four, here's a direct link to the YouTube uh, video of the conference. It's about two hours. I strongly, strongly recommend it to your attention because the participants include a kind of creme de la creme of who is not only in the space business, but the top spook. In the U.S. government, Avril Haynes, who was the DNI, the Director of National Intelligence, which was a coordinating office of the 16 other intelligence agencies under the umbrella of the U.S. government, and she reports their results, their findings on the relationship of our national security to the world directly to the President of the United States. Well, she attended this conference, and among others, like Bill Nelson, the current administrator of NASA. um, uh, Abby Loeb, who was the Harvard astronomer who has been kind of uh, touting the artificiality of an object we discussed here extensively some years ago, Oumuamua. Remember the first interstellar object detected zipping, and I mean zipping, through the solar system, making a right angle turn around the sun and then leaving for forever. Um, There were some other attendees uh, who were at the conference. Anyway, the whole two hours is in that link. You want to, in your copious spare time, watch it. Because, you know, as Dan Rather said, uh, the camera never blinks. You need to not only listen to what they're saying, you need to see the body language, particularly Ms. Haynes, when they say it. Because Averill Haynes and... Uh, Bill Nelson, are on the record. In fact, Bill Nelson is item number five. This is a Twitter link direct to him talking about the plausibility of real ETs, real extraterrestrials as being behind the UAP slash UFO phenomenon, which the U.S. Navy has been confronting since, I think, about, uh, at least they're admitting to it, since 2004. Averill Haynes makes very similar comments that it is not beyond the pale to consider an extraterrestrial explanation for these objects, these vehicles, performing extraordinary, uh, definitely anti-gravity and anti-inertial maneuvers over U.S. battle fleets, because according to both Nelson and Haynes, um, they don't think it's plausible To posit this kind of extraordinary technology to any other terrestrial power, China, Russia, Iran, etc., etc. In other words, the top spook in the country, in complete contrary position to the CIA's previous uh, stance on this subject, i.e., the Robertson panel, and the disinformation and the poo pooing for decade after decade after decade. I mean, this is being raised to the level of national attention, national importance, and national action. So it's in this milieu that we go to item number six. Because a few days ago, on Monday of this week, actually of last week, since Sunday technically begins a new week. We're in a new week, guys, tonight. Um Bill Nelson went on record, that's item number six, and there's a link there to uh, his comments in space.com. The Russians ostensibly performed something so stupid, so bizarre, so outrageously dumb, they blew up one of their own satellites. At least that's what the U.S. State Department and a range of other agencies, intelligence agencies around the planet, are telling us. And I'm going to say right now in the news section that uh, I don't think that's exactly what went on. And we have standing by Robert Morningstar to give us an update. He's been kind of polling the delegates and doing background research, and he has some very interesting information to impart in our first segment tonight. So we're going to go to Robert momentarily. I do want to point out number seven is a very detailed visualization, a 3D computer model video, really cool, um, on the cloud of debris that this satellite destruction, explosion uh, created in low Earth orbit. And there are some very remarkable uh, dynamics there. And what I find so interesting is that they were created like overnight. Normally, when you do real 3D modeling of something this complex, it it takes a while. I mean, come on, it's CGI, it's computer intensive, even with supercomputers, it takes a while. This was like ready in a couple of days. So what does that tell you? Anyway, item number eight. This is really intriguing because we've been watching and waiting and kind of speculating about when would this subject be moved beyond the intelligence community into a larger governmental framework, i.e. the Congress, with hearings and testimony, military witnesses, the pilots who encountered these UFOs and F eighteens that left them in the dust like they were, you know, standing still, that can loiter forever compared to an F eighteen, which actually can only spend like about an hour on station before it had to land back on the carriers, the the Nimitz and or the uh, Roosevelt, and refuel. And they described a lot more interesting things that were visible just in the gun camera footage. Well, anyway, this transition between the Pentagon, the intelligence community, and the Congress has now taken place in the persona of uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, who was the Democratic senator from upstate New York, uh, she is on the Armed Services Committee and she is proposing an amendment to the Annual Defense Appropriation Act, which would set up an actual office, an official office under the U.S. government to deal with UFOs as part of the governmental structure of the executive branch of the United States of America. Oh, how things have progressed! So you want to read that story in Politico and then you're going to want to read the comments. Then you're going to want to Google what some commentators are saying over in Reddit in some of the UFO forums. And that rabbit hole will take you an entire week until next weekend when I'm hoping to have someone on who will actually deal with some of the policy implications of this movement from amazing and bizarre to mainstream so without further ado, um let me open the line here and see Robert are you there? Mr. Morningstar. Yes, I am. There you Button's are. Off. Okay, Robert Morningstar who was our correspondent in uh New York City, you can go and read his bio on the other side of midnight among other things. He has been part of the Merchant Marine. Did you ever serve in the Coast Guard, Robert?
1: Uh I served in a paramilitary organization that uh, served alongside the Coast Guard. I mm. was a member of the Department of Homeland Security for 10 years. In fact, I was, I'm was. i a plank member.
0: So you're the t- perfect go-to guy. So Thank what you. do you got for us, starting with the Russians? We'll get to uh, Waukesha in a minute.
1: Right. Well, the Russian uh, mystery.
0: Get a little closer uh, to
1: I, the mic. I agree with you. I agree with you that the, this is a mysterious event that doesn't seem, doesn't seem to be in keeping with the intelligence of the Russians. They are not stupid. No, people. no, of course not. Right? This not? is this is like doing
0: you know what in your own bed.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I don't think the Russians are doing that. Not at all. Um, uh, I told friends uh, to listen in today because I said the subject would be UFOs and space war. And I think that uh, just getting down to the nitty gritty, it's, um, it's reminiscent of what was going on in 1963 here in New York City right now. It is already November 22nd. It is the 58th anniversary of the assassination of President Kennedy, who was one of my childhood heroes and a mentor. And um, I have for you two short documents that I think the world needs to hear. President Kennedy, on November 12th, 1963, discussed the same topic that we're discussing tonight with Premier Khrushchev. And on that day, he issued a directive to the Central Intelligence Agency, as well as the Department of Defense, and several other bigwigs. It's called, we refer to it as the Angleton Memo because it has the oh, name... Oh, for
0: James Jesus
1: Angleton. James Jesus Angleton, indeed. Big, big CIA so, guy. Well, he was the chief spook. Chief exactly. of counterintelligence. Here's an interesting thing. You know, counterintelligence is a very mysterious term, but it also refers not only to the intelligence agencies of other countries but extraterrestrial intelligence. So this is this is a, a very big thing. So if you would permit me, I would like to read you this directive that I believe was JFK signing his own death warrant. And this occurred after the conversation that he had had with Premier Khrushchev on the hotline. Now, the hotline was not a telephone. It was actually sort of a teletype machine, like email, so... What I'm going to read to you uh, secondarily is the communique. It's very short between uh, Khrushchev and President Kennedy. But right now, this is November 12, 1963, top secret, memorandum for redacted Central Intelligence Agency, the director. That was John McCone. So they scratched out his name. It should read, memorandum for the director, John McCone, Central Intelligence Agency. Subject, classification, Classification review of all UFO intelligence films affecting national, uh, files, excuse me, affecting national security. As I discussed with you previously, I have initiated, redacted, and have instructed James Webb to develop a program. Who was then head of NASA? The, that's right. With the Soviet Union. In regard to space and uh, joint space and human uh, exploration, it would be very helpful if you would have the high cases reviewed with the purpose of identification of bona fide, as opposed to classified, CIA and U.S. Air Force sources. It is important that we make a clear distinction including the knowns and unknowns in the event the Soviets try to mistake our extended cooperation as a cover for intelligence gathering of their defense and space programs. When this data has been sorted out, I would like you to arrange a program of data sharing with NASA where unknowns are a factor. This will help NASA mission directors in their defensive responsibilities – I would like an interim report on the data review no later than February 1st, 1964, signed John F. Kennedy. Now, this is a a very interesting part of the document. Handwritten on the side, it says, response from CAB. Now, I'll tell you who that is in a second. And it says, response from CAB. Angleton has MJ executive. 11 20 63 now who is CAB CAB refers to General Richard Cabell who was the number three man at the CIA Hmm. and who was also the brother of the mayor of Dallas oh yeah okay so he was actually fired but it turns out that um um Dulles was also fired, but it's come to be known that even though they were fired, they were still operating from the farm, and were actually at the farm, that's a CIA facility in Virginia, overseeing the assassination. Now let me go to the other document, which is equally intriguing, and then I'll tell you why I brought up the first document with regard to Avril Haynes. Now, the key to Khrushchev's uh, the hotline. Now, this memo is called is Top Secret Umbra. Umbra, of course, means shadow. So it's a very, very high level um, classification in the NSA. And this says NSA intercept of the hotline, ComSec file de- dated 11 1263, the same day. From OOTP to P-U-S-S-R, subject UFO working groups, and it's uh, directed to the, um, the White House uh, staff, the director of the CIA, the director of NSA, N-M-O-C, Naval Meteorological and Oceanographic Command, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, secretary of state, and National Security Council. And now I quote. This is President Kennedy speaking. Mr. Premier, a situation has developed that affects both our countries and the world, and I feel it is necessary to convey to you a problem that we share in common. Mr. President, I agree. So I will distinguish the voices that way. Mr. President, I agree. As you must appreciate, the tension between our two great nations has often brought us to the brink of Showmanship with all the tapestry of a Greek comedy and our impasse last year was foolish and deadly. The division that separates us... This was the Cuban Missile
0: Crisis he's referring to.
1: Exactly. The division that separates us is through misunderstanding politics and cultural differences. But we have one thing in common which I would like to address to your working group on the UFO problem. Yes, yes, I agree with your assessment. We nearly tied the knot that divides us permanently. Our working group believes the same way as yours. The UFO problem presents grave dangers to our countries and to the whole world. If we allow suspicions and miscalculations to force our military defensive systems to react to this problem, God will never forgive us. Then you agree, Mr. Premier, that we should cooperate together on this issue? Yes, Mr. President. Mr. Premier, I have begun an initiative with our, and with our NASA to exchange information with your Academy of Sciences, in which I hope will foster mutual concern over this problem and hopefully find some resolution. I have also instructed our CIA to provide me with a full disclosure of the phantom aspects and classified programs in which I can better assess the situation. Can you persuade your KGB to do likewise? Mr. President, I cannot guarantee full cooperation in this area, but I owe it to future history and to the security of our planet to try. As you must know, I have been somewhat limited in my official capacity as party chairman to order such cooperation in this area. We too feel the UFO is a matter of highest importance to our collective security. If I can arrange for a secret meeting between our working groups at a secret location and at a time designated by you, I feel that this much on my part can happen. Mr. Premier, if a meeting at this level can convene, it will be an important first step. It will lead to more dialogue and trust between our countries and reduce the ever-present threat of nuclear war. Yes, Mr. President, it will. Then we are in agreement, yes, end of memo
0: there was so this was one. a this is an official transcript which has been discovered by some very ingenious archive researchers that was a yes. transcript of a of a either a memo or an actual phone call between the premier and the u s president in nineteen sixty three
1: November twelfth both documents are dated no uh, November 12th, 1963, exactly 10 days before his assassination.
0: I was going to say, a few days later, he would be murdered, and a few months later, Khrushchev would be put under house arrest, stuck on a rocking chair on the porch of his DACA outside Moscow, never to be in power again.
1: Yes, that was October of 1964, and I remember it very, very vividly because I was watching the World Series between the New York Yankees and the St. Louis Cardinals, (laughs) and it was in the seventh inning stretch that they announced that Nikita Khrushchev had been deposed. It's uh, it's imprinted. It's embedded in in my memory. So the reason I brought up the first memo is because I watched – the by the way the ignatius uh, conference yes there was an interviewer whose name is Addy Ignatius and <laughs> so i think there's a lot of Igna- iggies a lot of iggies around here they but have anyway there's such reason a reason sense of up, humor yeah, the reason i brought it up is i saw april Haynes discussing the ufo issue and she was asked about documents that she had with categorizations of U-apes. That's another joke. (laughs) (laughs) So she said that they had categorized 144 U-ape incidents since 2014.
0: Don't you find that number remarkable?
1: Yes, and uh, (laughs) the other part was that the categories seconds. that she described are exactly the same ones that president kennedy was demanding of the cia. I'll
0: tell you what, hold it there. I'm going to hold you over for the next half hour. Rick just, you know, take take a ticket like a little vacation. Oh, I have
1: something for Rick,
0: too. Yeah, okay, so is just just hold, just hold it there, okay? Okay. My guest this morning for the first segment and moving into the second is robert morningstar. Who has more than a passing familiarity with the military, with the Pentagon, with the U.S. Navy, with John Kennedy, with all of this? And believe me, it is incredibly relevant to my forthcoming discussion with Rick Levine tonight, and you will see how shortly. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. Are we already under attack? Stand by.
2: 72 vaccines, your children will get um, as of right now before they're 18 and that number is doubling very quickly in the near future. And guys, the thing that bothered me so much is I had no idea back then in 98 that there were a lot of people talking about vaccines. But what I know now and what I learned in 2010, your listeners have to understand this. In 2010, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And let me say that again. Um, 2010, the US Supreme Court ruled that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. This should be very eye-opening to anybody out there because what they're telling you that now is if you vaccinate your children, you have to deal with the consequences because they've just told you that all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And more to that now. In 2018, Robert Kennedy Jr. and Big Bigtree put in the Health and Freedom of Information Act to have the safety studies released. Okay, if your listeners don't know this, in 1986, Ronald Reagan passed the Vaccine Injury Act, which said the vaccine companies are exempt of any and all liability. But Reagan said, look, if we're going to give them blanket liability, we've got to at least make them do safety studies every other year. Not every year, but every other year. So they sued to have those safety studies released. And we've always heard that vaccines are safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. But when they got the report back, it was 100% empty. Uh-oh. Not one single safety study has been done on any of the vaccines since 1986. And this should be very, very, very disturbing to all you guys. And That's what began to wake me up as far as vaccines were my children back in 98, when the medical doctors couldn't give me the safety studies. Guys, this is Christopher Key, never forget it. It's Christ Ofer, Christ is in me, he's in my name. Never forget my last name, it's Key, K-E-Y. God's given us the keys to unlock the doors that Satan never wanted unlocked, and we do it for our children. I so enjoyed the show tonight. The other side of the news is beyond fabulous.
0: Welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night, November 21st. And in New York, it's the 58th anniversary on November 22nd of the death of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Okay, Robert, uh, please continue.
1: Well, regarding the, the recent shootout, and I think that's the right word, as uh, supposed to shoot up. <laughs> See, I saw I saw the um, the anti satellite test that was conducted by the U S Navy a few years ago. You remember when Kim Jong Un was rocket rattling? He sent a destroyer uh, missile cruiser out into the Pacific, and we destroyed one of our own satellites, which don't didn't seem to me. A big deal as far as uh, a lot of debris. But I saw. Well, the, the reason strength.
0: was it was a very low satellite in very low Earth orbit, and the debris mostly re entered. And it was so important that Bill Gates, uh, uh, Robert Gates, I'm sorry, who was then Secretary of Defense, who yes. had broken his arm, was in a cast. He literally flew to Hawaii to yes. be on station for this test. And I did a whole article on the, uh, the Enterprise Mission website detailing the alignments, where the moon was. I mean, this was not a trivial test. This was a biggie, and it was completely submerged in the news under it's just the Pentagon doing its usual thing.
1: Well, that's great because you know the, the, the event very well, and I know it very well, too. And I saw, I saw video of the strike. It was a kinetic weapon mm-hmm. that struck. Now, here's the important thing with regard to the simulation or the visualization, as they call it. The debris of that strike destroyed the satellite, and the ejecta went up. Now, this photograph of this, not photograph, a simulation looks to me like the object was struck from above and the debris trail is hanging downward. Right? Yep. So it says to me that the strike did not originate on the surface of the Earth, but Mm -hmm. came down on that satellite. If we are to believe another CIA visualization, which I don't really
0: Well, remember, there is an Emily Dickinson component. Part of, yes. the way, part of the way you get people to believe the lie is you got to mix in some truth. So for the yes. people who are not celestial mechanicians, who have no idea about orbits, you give them real reconstruction of the real trajectories, but you give them a fake cover story.
1: Right. So with regard to the memos, I'd like to go back to that discussion between Khrushchev and President Kennedy where they describe the UFO issue as dangerous to both our countries. Now, why? Because it turns out that there is one faction of UFOs that have been playing chicken with the United States and Russia, or had been at that time. It is a fact that several times during the 1950s and 60s, we were put put in a condition of DEFCON 1 by the Appearance over the North Pole in Canada of multiple objects bogies that were bogies, bogies. They were actually the Air Force gave them uh, another one of those uh, pet names. <laughs> they call them fast walkers. Oh yes, yes, I remember Jacques Brel right? writing about yes. them. so the fast walkers were fleets of UFOs which would appear over the polar regions and st- then start to overfly Canada over the dew line and the Bemuse line, delayed early warning system and ballistic missile early warning systems, and they'd be picked up and drive people in uh, NORAD crazy. They thinking, did. The we we, came, us with us we
0: came within a whisker of war, global thermonuclear war, at least twice because of bogies on those long-distance early warning system radars.
1: Yes, and the same thing was happening to the Russians. So these... Uh, Fleets of UFOs would race over Canada and then suddenly stop, dead stop, boom, and then vertically shoot straight up into outer space. There was another incident which occurred on February 12th of 1961. The first UFO crisis that President Kennedy suffered was 12 days after his inauguration, when a huge fleet of UFOs was picked up by NATO overflying Eastern Europe. It flew over Eastern Europe, the uh, satellites of the Soviet Union that flew over East and West Germany, over France, over England. Then they turned north, headed uh, over the North Sea, then turned uh, back to the east over the Baltic and overflew the Scandinavian countries and it back over Russia. And then they disappeared. So these are three instances. There were two, at least two ballistic missile. Um, simulations, and then this other one that overflew, uh all of Europe. And this is something that I believe some faction of the UFO entity was trying to force Russia and the United States into miscalculating and going to nuclear war. Yeah, I
0: mean, come on. Look, Ma, no hands. Those poor suckers are just too dumb. They just couldn't hold back. They had too many weapons. Total plausible deniability for whatever councils upstairs someone is answering to at whatever level.
1: Yes, so we have waited 58 years for Avril Haynes to come out, (laughs) you know, twice in the last uh, week and a half. To discuss this issue, and now she's the first person to use the term extraterrestrials, and now that's twice. Once at the well at the Ignatius lecture, she uh, mentioned it, and of course she mentioned it in uh, the article in the New York Post. So they are lifting the veil, but at the same time, I have to forewarn the audience that this could also be a false flag because my dear friend Dr. Carol Rosen, who was assistant to Werner von Braun says that Wernher von Braun warned her that one of the deep state plans was to take control by staging a fake UFO invasion. So we don't know which is which, even now. Hmm. And some people are talking about a prospective uh, Alien Invasion uh, in 2024, as if it's already on the calendar. Now, I would like to say that in the past few years, we have seen several excellent Hollywood movies depicting exactly this, Alien Invasions. And the two movies that uh, I consider outstanding are The Battle of L.A. and Battleship. Now, Battleship is interesting to me because it was made – with the full-hearted cooperation of the United States Navy, including the destroyer John Paul Jones, and, uh, of course, the hero, hero ship of the movie is the USS Missouri, which ultimately is uh, turned around and uh, destroys the, uh, the alien communication system. So the medium is the massage, <laughs> which has been turned into the medium is the message. You know, yes, He yes. really said the medium is the massage and you can see when you're watching television McLuhan was thinking about a hands in your brain you know massaging making a space for you to be receptive to the meme that they're about to uh to plant so we have been massaged and messaged
0: <laughs> and then I'll and tell you over. What, I want to ask to, I want to hold you over till the third hour so put yourself on mute listen to if you can the rest of the show i want to go to yeah, rick yeah may
1: i say one thing for rick Levine? yeah sure especially the date of November 22nd, 1963, was especially chosen by the Cabal because it corresponds astronomically, star date to the date on which Osiris was assassinated. I have a book in my hand called Echoes of the Ancient Skies, The Astronomy of Lost Civilization by a German named Dr. E.C. Krupp. In this book. Oh, I know, I know, Edward. You know who we used to be. He Used
0: to be the head of the Griffith Observatory and Planetarium in Los Angeles. Oh, for decades.
1: This, this is one of the greatest astronomers uh, published in this book. He revealed that to me. He said that Osiris was killed at a time when Mars was passing through the constellation Scorpio. Yep. And this constellation Scorpio has, uh, up until recently, had the biggest star in the solar system called Antares, which is also a very diabolical star. It was viewed as an evil star and associated with uh, the, the devil named Belial. So mm. Well, you know you what the
0: it. name Antares means, don't you? Um, it's Ant Aries. Mars is Aries. It's the opposite Aries. of exactly. It's the against opposition Aries. to Aries. Yes.
1: Now here's the last little point. On the day that President, on the night and the day that President Kennedy was assassinated, there was a conjunction of Mars and Venus in the constellation Scorpio. And on that morning, President Kennedy said to Dave Powers, his chief of staff, he said. You know, last night would have been the perfect night to assassinate... I remember
0: that, the United
1: yes, States. yes. And I think this is the meaning of it. And there's one so final thank you component. There, on the there, the, I'm going r- to mute and listen to... Yeah,
0: hang on, Robert. There's one final component. Okay. That, that conjunction and that, and, and Terry's itself, is in, of course, almost direct alignment with the 4 million solar mass black hole at the center of the galaxy, which modulates, as Rick and I are going to discuss in the next couple of hours... A lot of astrological, hyperdimensional stuff here on planet Earth, so it all the 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 dots are all converging.
1: Well, that that detail that you just reveals brings into the picture the presence of the black sun. Yep, and I'll leave it at that. Okay, thank you very much. All right, see you in, a, in an hour and a half or so. Okay,
0: um, before we get to Rick, I, I want to do something special here, and then you'll kind of understand why. So just kind of stand by and, um, well, just enjoy.
2: You know the day destroys the night,
0: night divides the day. professional astrologer since 1976. Rick Levine has become a respected leader in the global astrological community. He is the past president of the Washington State Astrology Association, co-founder of StartQ.com, a founding trustee of Kepler College, and co-author of eight years of Barnes & Noble's annual Your Astrology Guide. Rick wrote a daily horoscope column for nearly 17 years, Delivered via the internet to millions of readers per day through tarot.com, The expanded daily planet Pulse is still available on Instagram at Rick Levine Astrologer, and on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Rick Levine Astrologer. He is the subject of a DVD, Quantum Astrology: Science, Spirit, and Our Place in the Cycles of History. His internet videos reach tens of thousands of people every month and in 2018 he was awarded the prestigious International Astrologer of the Year Award by the Krishnamurti Institute of Astrology in India. On a recent lecture tour to Istanbul, Rick was awarded the coveted Fomalat Award for Astrological Excellence by the Turkish School of Astrology. His current video teachings are available at Patron.com slash Rick Levine Without further ado Rick, welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight
3: God, with an introduction like that, it sounds like I should have already died
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's still hope and There's still no hope for all of us, yes, but not for us. Hey, I, um, I, I, I wanted to credit before we get into this, um, Kantea and Keith working magic behind the scenes to get that musical slice from the doors up, so I could actually use it as part of your intro. That's what that's what real teamwork on the Enterprise. And
3: and and, and, and I want to say thank you to them also. And I'd like to say why that piece is an important piece for for now for this year although i have to admit that i miss hearing jim morrison live i saw the doors twice uh live um but that song in particular has a very special message but before we get there i just want to complete the uh thing that um that um uh uh, your previous guest uh, is it Robert I don't oh, Robert Morningstar yeah right We've never he and I have never had the privilege of, of meeting um, but I but I think that we should um, First of all um, I'm looking at a chart for November 22nd 1963 and Venus and Mars are in fact at the same degree although it shows on my chart, that they are at 20 degrees of Sagittarius because of the precession of the equinox. They were actually aligned in the constellation in the sky um, of Scorpio. Oh. And your remark about Ant Aries or anti Aries, as I like mm-hmm. to call Antares, um, is that in ancient astrology, mo- in, in modern astrology, every planet connects with a sign and every sign connects with a planet. In the ancient tradition, there's a very complex but beautiful mathematical geometry that determined um, this whole schema called the Thema Monday, the theme of the world. Monday meaning the world, and um, in this, Mars um, was actually the planet that was the ruler or the planet associated with both Aries. And Scorpio, one as a um, daytime um, star and the other as a nighttime star, if you will, star a loose use of the word um, not you know not meaning uh, um, a star in the modern sense, but a planet included now the thing is that 's of interest is that Mars is connected with both Aries, the beginning of spring, and Scorpio, which is the beginning of life. Um, in the yearly cycle, and Scorpio, which is really the beginning of the death part of the cycle, because it's in Scorpio, Halloween, when the veil gets thin, the leaves fall off the trees, and something its it's no longer obvious on the surface. The magic is happening deep inside in the darkness that somehow prepares everything for the life again next year. In modern astrology, um uh, Mars has been kind of demoted from connected to Scorpio and has been replaced with Pluto which of course is even more interesting because Pluto is Latin for Hades which is Greek for the hell realms. Mm-hmm. And so we have this wonderful connection between the the evilness or the the redness of the star um Antares being a little bit of Mars, a little bit of that warrior right in the midst of the death uh, of Scorpio. So uh, thank you, Robert, for bringing that up. And it was just an interesting little um, little dance um, to be aware that somehow these things that go on upstairs um, in the physical realms of the cosmos certainly seem to be um, integrated into the Um, symbology of how the physical realms here on Earth play out, which is what we're going to talk about next, I assume.
0: Yep. Well, I wanted to talk about memes, and I wanted to talk about the astrological forcing function bringing these memes into the 3D realm in which we live, primarily by means of consciousness. And uh, what kicked us all off is I've been getting from diverse sources an overwhelming redundancy and in science when you see things the same signal redundant over and over and over again the idea is you pay attention and from and from sources that are not connected i've been getting this square 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 and it appears as a right triangle well in astrology as you and i have well discussed squares are configurations of planets in the solar system relative to the earth that concretize the higher dimensional information and energies that we've talked about extensively that bring it from the hyper realm into the 3D realm. In other words, kind of fashion reality. And so the way I interpreted this eventually, because it takes me a while to you know get the message, was wait a minute, squares, squares, squares. Maybe this is uh, trying to tell me I should be looking to Levine and squares in astrology in charts and when they're going to occur between now and let's say the end of the year. And so I did. I looked you know that up and instantly I saw Saturn and Uranus. I picked up the phone, you answered, which is kind of amazing, and we set this up because I said, Rick, something is going to try to concretize a meme. And I said, there are two ways this could go. The normal meme, because the square we're going to talk about is exact on Christmas Eve. That's the weird Christmas Eve part of this this conversation. It's actually,
3: in some places, it'll be exact on Christmas Eve, Eve. But Uh, but because of time zones. It's um, a window. In the United States, it'll be on the 23rd. But in some places, it'll be on the 24th of December. Yeah. Oh,
0: how interesting. So then i'm saying to myself okay if this is supposed to concretize something hyperdimensional what could that be well what's the one holiday in the western tradition in 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 christian tradition which is observed and is is basically kind of made aware through all other religious you know persuasions on the planet whether you're a buddhist or a muslim or a hindu or, you know, heaven knows what, Christmas still is part of your calendar. It's part of the observance and the associated memes that go with it. And everybody, you know, goodwill toward men on earth, that kind of thing, everybody feels, uh, you know, better around Christmas, regardless of your religious persuasion. Then I said to Rick, but suppose you wanted to, as a bad influence, you wanted to malevolently... Intervene in that good feeling of humanity united, by introducing something evil, something awful, something malevolent, and then, of course, this afternoon you had this horrible drive-through of the Christmas parade in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, and untold numbers of deaths and horrible tragedy, and I mean just unspeakable. So, it looks to me like the the prediction that somebody is playing fast and loose with the memes at this time of year is well, unfortunately, well underway.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm right with you right up into the point where you say somebody, because I don't know that, it, that intelligence on the cosmic level requires a human being to actually be in control. Yeah, no, that, no, no, I no,
0: agree... but I, I don't mean just human beings. Somebody to me is anybody with a consciousness in any dimension.
3: Uh, okay, all right. All right, and and from that standpoint, um, I would certainly um, say, and maybe we can wait um, until after the break, to spend a few minutes as to why astrologically And hyperdimensionally, physically, the 90-degree angle is where the action is. I like to call it the point where meta becomes physical.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, we do have like about a minute, so why don't we set up a tease for the next segment?
3: Yeah, and also I'd also like to just uh, tip my hat also to Robert to his reference to McLuhan uh, because (laughs) – Although, as you know, Richard, we've known each other, geez, I don't know, 25-plus <laughs> years, um, that you know, astrology is how I look at the universe. However, Marshall McLuhan um, is, I think, maybe one of the most important not understood um, uh, social analysts of our time. And not only the medium is the massage, which everyone says the medium is the message, but his work about – um the relationship between technology um and human consciousness is absolutely critical. Maybe we can do a um a whole show on that some other time.
0: Hmm. Well he and uh, Emily are two of my favorite um shall we say social commentators. <laughs> because again, Dickinson and her, you know, tell all the truth but tell it slant. I I think McLuhan must have been reading Dickinson. Because he said a lot of truths, but he didn't hit him exactly on the I'll head. I'll
3: tell you who McLuhan was reading. I, I, he, he, since he, since he was a professor of English, I'm sure he was reading his Emily Dickinson. However. I know that he was reading and understanding his William Blake and his James Joyce because of so much of his material is built upon their understandings and even titles of his book like The Medium is the Massage. This is a James Joycean pun (laughs) and he um, is a fan and a scholar um, of Joyce, one of the few people around who actually I think understood uh, Finnegan's Wake, but that's another story.
0: Of course. (laughs) My guest this morning for the next several hours, to be joined by Georgia, and we're going to have Robert come back, is uh, Rick Levine, a foremost global astrologer, a firm believer, I should say understander, of the hyperdimensional aspects that are the cornerstone of astrology. That's, uh, That's how it works, Carl, who thought it might have to do with gravity. No, no, not gravity, something much deeper and more profound. So tonight we're going to be talking about memes and implantation of memes and concretizing alignments, energies, resonance patterns and what the heck is going to happen on the evening of the 24th or 23rd if we expand the window. That's our subject. And we're going to go in directions that I guarantee you will be surprising to one and all. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. Join us, if you dare. We shall return. Over and out.